It's time for Done Being Single with your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Scharf. If you're dating the same type over and over again, making the same mistakes and not finding love, then you're not done being single. What you need is some tough love dating intervention, Trevor and Robbie style. Whether you're new to dating or have been dating forever, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Trevor and Robbie Sharp. <laughs> welcome to Dunbean. Yes, welcome to Dunbean Single. Welcome to Dunbean Burned Out and Bitter. Are you done being burned out and bitter? No. Mm. Just starting. Depends on what, what topic. Oh, on God. which topic. You know which topic. Yeah, that that's another to, that's another episode. No, we're gonna talk about uh, I don't even know if this is a, a thing. Oh, it's a thing. Being dating, over dating, and this is one of the questions uh, we are going to address, but we're going to talk about being burned out and what happens when you start burning out and how that can lead to becoming bitter. Not just in dating, but it can happen anywhere in your life, with your friends, with your family. We're going to address how to see the signs, how to manage your feelings of burnout and bitterness, how to get rid of them. And Are you find- saying that being burnt out and bitter is not an attractive quality. I'm kind of saying that. Yeah. And you know what? Come on. At any age, we've all experienced it. But I think that it is a little specific to your 40s and getting into your 40s and 50s, especially if you have been single for a while and maybe things aren't going your way. Maybe you've, you know experienced multiple repeated disappointments. I mean, it happens. You get to a certain point in your life, a certain age, and shit's not going the way you want it to. How do you stop yourself from becoming just a bitter old bitch? Uh, Yeah. How do you? That is a real age-old question here. And it's not just for women. No. Because men burn out. Oh, we know burnout men. We know burnout women. Burnout couples. Yes. And it happens in marriages, too. Not ours, of course. Oh, he's trying to find the appropriate sound effect for that. Okay, but we made up. We kissed and made up right before we got on the air. So anyway, this is an important subject because I have been on the receiving end. I have been a perpetrator and I have been a victim of it. And I don't like it. I know it too well. It sucks. Okay. And you know what I'm talking about. Yes. I've been that burned out person. I have been, there were times where I thought, I can't go on one more date. I cannot stay online one more minute. I cannot, I am going to lose it. I am just going to get a bad attitude. And guess what? I probably did at some point. You did. Yeah, I did. Well, you didn't know me back then. 15 minutes ago, I did. That's not... No, we're talking about being single right now. Uh, yes, we are. <laughs> oh, I think I, I did... Uh, I did... Morty. Morty. I have a nickname for Robbie when he gets grumpy. I call him Morty Grumbler. Ah, raspberry. 
Stop grumbling, Morty. Okay, anyway, when I was single, I went on a, I had a, a, an online date. And, oh no, that's not true. I ran into a guy that I had a date with many years prior. And you know what he said to me? He, he said, you know what? I got to tell you, last on our date, you seem kind of sad. Okay. And, and I think and he was right. So did you, what was your response? I could not believe he said that to me, first of all. And, and then I thought about it and yeah, did, I was probably, you know, single and miserable. And he wasn't helping. Well, he was single and miserable too, but he acknowledged it though, which is something that you got to give him credit for. Well, it did. It, it sort of, you know, I was taken aback a little bit cause I thought, oh my God. And I was still single at, this, at that time, too. So it was sort of an attitude, you know, moment check. You know, because we hear about experiences of women that are going out with a guy that may have just been broken up with. And so the guy that they're actually out with doesn't understand why this woman is not quite all there. And guys are very perceptive about that. They are going to pick up on if a woman is not in their presence well it yeah you know it made me think for a second i took a moment and i reflected and i thought jesus he's right i was sad and i gotta be careful because you can't your hold attitude, it against that new person no but whoever says that to you whoever gives you the truth i would hope that people are honest with me but a lot of times people aren't and that's what a good friend is for. I think, you know, at times you got to sit your good friend down and say, you need an attitude adjustment. You know, this mm -hmm. being in the game, you're in the game. You've been in the game too long. Maybe you need to take a break. Maybe you need to go just be by with yourself for a while and forget the whole dating thing. Correct? And I would say that to a guy. I've said that to my guy friends before. Because they're just as burned out and bitter. Mm -hmm. Correct? We know who, you know, just yes. pick one. Okay. Okay. So today, <laughs> we're going to go into it. Okay. Uh, we are going to go into it, deeper dive. And we're going to speak to men and women about burning out, being aware on the lookout for the signs, managing it, and how to get through it and find your enthusiasm again and your positivity and your optimism. It's possible. It's just like how Stella got her groove back. You're going to get your groove back after this after this next message. No, you're going to get your groove back after this episode. Good. Including you. Including you. Okay, over there. Who? Podcast co-host. Not me. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shake it off. Come on. Get out of the twilight zone. I think we should bring on our guest. Go ahead. I'm going to introduce her right now because I can't. It. I cannot wait. Dr. Karen Anderson Abril is a psychologist, author, speaker, podcast host, and musician, and a very good friend of mine, and one of the most capable, smart, brilliant women I know. I just added that. Her book, Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's... Oh, she's also a returning champ. She's been on the show many times, and we love her here. She's a favorite at Dunbean Single. Her book, Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right, is a word of empowerment to singles, encouraging them to stay strong amidst 
single shaming, live life on their own terms, and never, ever settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. A former professor, Karen now hosts Love and Life, a podcast providing lively and informative discussions grounded in psych research to help us thrive in all realms of love and life. She can be found on Instagram at Dr. Karen, Dr. Dot Karen, Twitter at Dr. Karen Anderson, on Facebook at Dr. Anderson April, and on her website, drkaren.me. Welcome, Welcome back, Karen. returning champ, Dr. Karen. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, so... Help us. Yeah. Oh my goodness, so much good stuff here. And yeah, we all need help in this realm because as Travis saying, you can get so beaten down by date after date and relationship after relationship that doesn't go right that it's very easy to get demoralized. Yeah, it is. And it doesn't, yeah. and, no, and then it doesn't help your cause. See, no, this is, it doesn't. The, no, so this is why it's easy to see and difficult to treat mm-hmm. because you, you know, especially if you have repeated disappointments, you know something's up and you know that it's not helping your cause. The Are you question, saying it's easy to see in others, but not in yourself? Yes, and in yourself too. Because I don't know if it's easy to see in yourself. I think that we're the last ones to be able to see that yeah. in ourselves. Yeah, uh, like Trevor was saying that she got some feedback without even realizing it from that relationship, you'd well, the date you'd been on, and then you ran into that guy later, and he's like, you were sad, and you were like, I was? You know, and so it is, if we don't have someone to give us that honest feedback, it's kind of hard. I had a, a follower just reach out to me, and she said she was going to try to date this guy. She wasn't, like, initially super attracted to him, but she knows that, you know, you got to kind of give someone a chance to show them who you are, and then you'll warm up to them and find them more attractive if you get to know their heart or if they're funny or that sort of thing, but she she said, she came back to me, she said, but he was just so sad. And she's a therapist and she thought, I can't get pulled into this trying to you date someone and trying to help his emotional state. That's just not appropriate. So it's really, it's our job. It is our job. And like you said, if we want to present and, and help our own cause, we have to take care of our emotional state. We just have to. Funny you should mention that because I fixed up a guy friend of mine and I got some feedback from the, the gal, and he's a lovely guy, smart, successful, attractive, and her feedback to me was he kind of seemed depressed. Yeah. And, and he's in his 50s, excuse mm-hmm. me, now in his 60s, and he's been mm-hmm. single for a long time, and I got it, and I really struggled with what to do with that information. Do I tell him? Right. Am I doing him a favor? Do I not? Do I would I would I bum him out even more if I told him, or would it be a good sort of check, a moment of reflection for him? I ended up actually telling him, and he appreciated it. And I think yeah. it was done. If you do it with you know obvious love and caring, I think feedback can be really important because yeah. it's a, because it's yeah. it's a mirror, you know, and it's it's something. I mean, she liked the guy, but he. He needed to. He needs to understand what how he's coming off. Right, and it's almost impossible to be able to understand, like you said, unless you have a mirror held up in front of you. I'm curious, Robbie, as a man, if you had a friend, if you were that guy, and a, a woman approached you and said, "Hey, you know, I, I set you up, and here's here's what she felt. She really liked you, but there was this kind of this aura of sadness. How would you receive that?" It would be a punch to the gut a little bit if I yeah. wasn't if I was not aware, and then yeah. I, I mean, my first impression would be, 
oh, I'm so sorry she felt that way. And then I realized I may have to look at something inside me that was causing me to come across that way. So I, I think it's uh, multi-tiered in how I hear it and how I deal with it. And uh, hopefully get to a point where I can realize, oh, I, I know why she felt that way. And I, I, that was not fair to her. And I feel bad. So yeah. on that note, uh, we have to take a break. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> right. let's go do our first break. And we'll be back with more from Dr. Karen April. Karen, why do you think it's so easy for singles to become burned out and bitter? I think they experience just that degree of heartbreak that it's hard for people if they haven't been like we were many, many years as an adult with serial monogamy, people don't quite understand if they married their high school or their college sweetheart. And I'm glad they don't have to understand it because it's, you know, it's, it's rough. We've been there. But the problem is, is because you get your hopes up every time. I remember when I met my husband and we had this extraordinary first date, but there was a part of me at 40 now who I was excited, but I, there had been a lot of other really good dates, first dates. And what happened in those cases? Well, every time I fell for someone and fell in love here, I mean, my track record was oh for a million, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very easy. And I think that's why, but the problem is it's actually kind of comforting. You know, we all have that place where we're like, I'm just going to let go of hope and I'm going to sink into bitterness. And it feels a little indulgent and it kind of feels good because I deserve to be bitter because I have been wronged. And those other people haven't been out here in the scene for 25 years of dating and they don't get it. And that's true. But like you said earlier, we don't help ourselves. I mean, we have every right. Go ahead, shake your fist at the sky. But what does it get you? Mm -hmm. Nothing, nothing except more misery right. and less of a chance to meet someone quality because the only person you're gonna attract if you're on the bitter bus is someone else on the bitter bus. And that doesn't sound like a lot of fun in that relationship, two bitter, angry people. So why do we do that? Why do we show that side of ourselves? How do we keep ourselves from being that? I think people have a really hard time with just emotional self-regulation. And it's something that if you haven't been to therapy or you, you haven't read a bunch of self-help books, then maybe that just hasn't been your thing. It hasn't crossed your radar. You don't think you need to, but you do. So it's one of those things where you need to. So I would suggest for people to really, if you're getting that kind of feedback or you're wondering, man, I just, I must be giving off a vibe that's not working. Then you need to really hold up that mirror, whether it is sit down with a trusted friend and say, here's what's going on. And am I sometimes unknowingly giving off some energy that's angry or bitter or sad because I think maybe I am. I'm not really sure, but to try to get some clarity or even just an exercise of writing down your feelings. You know, there's research that's kind of cool where they'll have people like old school carry a beeper and then they want you to write down what you're feeling at any given time. It'll randomly go off and beep. And you can do that for yourself. Just set your uh, phone alarm at any given time and then be very honest. What am I feeling in that moment? If you look over the course of a day where you've set random times for you to jot down your feelings and you see that, wow, yep, I was angry at 11 a.m. and then I was frustrated at 2 p.m. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can then kind of gauge your own emotional state and then start to take charge of it. And do you find that some people have to go through that journey of the 11 a.m. to the 2 p.m., the different feelings of, of bitterness and come out the other side before they can arrive at the other side. You can't escape the journey. You have to go through it sometimes, it seems, with some people. Yeah, see, because I think that 
if they're unaware, right, then they have to take stock, right? They have to have an assessment, right? We have to know what, what's our baseline here. And so if they're sensing that, gosh, I must be giving off something, some kind of energy, some kind of vibe, then let me take stock and get that clear assessment of what I'm feeling because we know we can be pretty good at hiding it. But if we're angry or bitter for the majority of our day, it's going to sneak out. We're not going to be able to hide that from everyone always. Right. And I think that it must take some type of forethought to be able to envision that journey and say, how great would it be if I don't have to actually go on that journey and realize what the end result is now at the beginning. So I don't put anybody that I am encountering through that because they're not going to understand it. Yeah. And it's not their job to understand it. You know, even your best friends, it's not their job. Our best friends do a nice job of picking us up and dusting us off when we're feeling down, but it's not their job. It's not their responsibility. Our emotional, and it's not going to be your future future spouse's responsibility either. And that, that's a, a mistake many singles make. I'll be happy when I have my person. I'll be happy when I have the life that I keep envisioning. And so they put off happiness into this far distant future, thinking that then that when they arrive, they'll feel good about themselves and feel happy. And no, we need to do that now. Because as I was saying earlier, when we get happy now, then we attract, we attract toward ourselves another happy person who's also emotionally taking responsibility for themselves. And then you can walk hand in hand without either of you expecting the other to lift you up. Such great advice. That should be written in stone, what you just said. <laughs> I mean, it's so true. I read that there's no such thing as happy couples, just people that are happy and that make a couple. Is that right? Did I get that wrong? Probably did. I love but you. Get, no, you I get love, what I'm saying. I don't know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I don't, I'm not, I don't know that quote, but I love it. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's true, but it's hard when you've yeah. been out there for a really long time and especially you get to a certain age, is it possible to how do I say this, be in the game too long? And how do you know <laughs> when it's time to take yourself out of the game? Yeah, Trevor, I agree with you. I think there's times to just say I'm going to just check out for a few minutes if it or a few months or a few years. It just, you know, there's so much pressure on women, especially, and we've talked about this before. And I know you've shared on other people's podcasts as well about the biological clock. And so that reality is obvious, is often like a, a doom, a cloud of doom and gloom above women that makes them feel that urgency, which then takes them out of the enjoying the process of getting to know someone. And they're trying to do this drive through microwave version of dating because they're like, shoot my clock. I've only got a couple months before we need to be engaged, dude, because mm-hmm. the whole thing, it's, it just can be so hard. And so women, I think in particular have a hard time saying, maybe I need to step out of the game for a minute, do some self care, figure out what's going on with my emotional state such that I can then better step back into the dating arena with more of an excitement and enthusiasm for life in general and for who I am and what I have to offer a relationship as opposed to this needy, like, I need to hurry up and get this guy because my agenda, my schedule, my timeline, it's not happening. Yes. When there's a clock ticking, it makes things much more urgent and not productive which I know, but, you know, also, I think just women in midlife also have a certain urgency. No one wants to get uh, old, you know, alone. Mm-hmm. A lot of women in their 50s plus are coming out of marriages and don't know how to be alone. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's that whole situation. I am wondering, 
So let's just say you take yourself off the market for a little bit and you take a break. How do you deal with FOMO? FOMO? FOMO. How do you deal with the fear of missing out? How do you deal with that? If you know that in your heart, the best thing to do is just like, I need, I got to get out of this for a little bit. I am just way too cynical. I'm too, I'm getting hardened. I'm getting jaded. But if I take myself offline, um, what if I miss, what if I miss something? Yeah. What if the, what if he's out there and I miss him? Yeah. Yeah. What if he's the next person that's going to show up in your profile or your search, right? And you, you miss them. I, I think what you're saying there is really important to consider that if you recognize that you need to sit it out for a little bit, then you have to recognize that there's no FOMO. There's nothing to miss out because whatever you were doing in the dating scene at that particular time with that particular emotional space that you're in, it wasn't going anywhere anyway. Yeah. So just, just recognize that there's nothing you're missing out on. You're actually building into yourself and building toward the potential for much better dating experiences by sitting it out a bit. So it's not wasted time. It's not like you're just benched and then the game's happening and you're on the bench. It's more, no, I'm on the bench because I'm doing all this training that when I get back in the game, I'm going to be then the star instead of I don't know. My analogy with sports is over. No, <laughs> it's great. Not I think no, I like it. You're kind of the FOMO mofo. <laughs> I like that. Yes, there's something uh, to be said by you know taking a break and you get to refuel, and reboot, and hit the reset button, and get you know your attitude checked. It's maintenance, as far as I'm concerned. Just uh, like with everything else you do in your self care toolbox. You got a digital detox, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. So even married people get mm-hmm. uh, burned out and bitter. <laughs> even sub- <laughs> even <laughs> not with each other so no. much. No, just, no, no, not that kind of, not with each. Uh, okay. I'm talking about a, a specific kind of, thank you. A specific kind of bitterness in their relationships marriage or not just in a relationship where they feel like i'm in this relationship i got what i need you know on paper looks like i have it all but you're still unhappy and and you're you have to fight that bitterness that's what we're going to talk about after the break that's right right after the break okay we're gonna come right back my question to karen was bitterness can affect anybody even if you're a couple I mean, single people, I, I totally get, I was that person. And it can happen if you just have repeated, like I said, disappointments and heartbreaks and yes, it beats you down. But sometimes what if you're a, what if you're a couple? What if you have the boyfriend or the husband and you're still like, you know, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it just goes back to even in that marriage or in that relationship, you still are in charge of your emotional state. And I think some people get bitter. And honestly, honestly, Trevor, when you were on my podcast, we talked about this a little bit because I do believe that if you have been single in adulthood for a period of time, you, you've you recognized that you need to manage your own emotional state. It's not your partner's responsibility. But I think people sometimes, maybe if they get married young, and I don't want to say that because I don't, it's not fair to make a blanket statement, but the idea is that sometimes if you've had that person around for so long, it's easy to start taking them for granted and start to look at them and go, well, I'm not happy about this. And it's because you didn't do this. And all of that, again, it feels kind of nice to be self-righteously 
angry and this in indignation that you feel, but you need to look at yourself and go, what is this getting me? Now I have bitterness in my marriage. And especially for people who've waited a long time to get married. And this was the marriage that I dreamed of for so long. No one can take the bitterness out of your marriage, but you now I'm not, I mean, your partner is doing their part as well. But if you identify that you're the one who's bringing that nastiness to the marriage for what? Well, if you need to get something off your chest, get it off your chest, have that knockdown drag out and then move on. Listen, I mean, how many days on, on, on this planet do we have? We don't even know. I personally don't like, I don't have bad days anymore. Now, when I was younger in my twenties, I would have bouts of, of sadness and mm -hmm. frustration because I was single and break, you know, all these breakups and I was broken hearted, blah, blah, blah. But now I just go, I'm old enough to go, you know, I don't know how many days I have left in this life and I don't want to waste an entire day being bitter. Now I'll have my moments where I'll get angry and blow off steam and stomp around. But then I go, okay, let's be done with that temper tantrum. Cause I really don't want to waste another five hours that I have of this particular day being angry. And it's really about intentional taking responsibility. You know, my podcast, it's take charge of your thoughts, take charge of your life. That's my theme of my podcast. And it's really about getting in your own head and dismantling any of that negativity that you need to dismantle so that you can then, because the thoughts are behind the feelings, right? So if I can get my thoughts right, my feelings will follow. It's interesting that when you talk about couples and somebody being bitter in a couple, it can make the, the whole relationship very sour, actually. Yeah. And it's so important that your partner is able to kind of correct that if that partner can. But if that partner cannot, then it's important to also go to the next level and get some professional help, mm -hmm. that, I would think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It is intentional. I just wrote down intentional. That is a very, that's the operative word. Because it is. Everything you do is intentional. And it is incumbent upon you to, I'm going to use another word, mindful. Yep. To be able to step outside of yourself and look and observe your attitude, your behavior, your thoughts, your actions. It's not easy, but especially if you're single, because there's so much room to come home. And I'm, this is my next, I'm leading into the next question. Sorry, this is a compound question, which Robbie hates. But how many times <laughs> did you, did we as single people come home after another bad date? Right. It makes you brittle. Mm -hmm. And you have to watch that. I believe you said something earlier about being hopeful, keeping your hopes in check, keeping your expectations in check is super important because if you don't, that will set you up for disappointment. But there's something to be said for being a little bit cynical, Oh yeah, just a little bit. And the flip side of that is keeping your sense of humor. So mm -hmm. yeah. Is you there come, a question? <clears throat> there, no, I'm sort of pontificating, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm eventually, you, you know where Karen, Karen's with me. I am. 100%. Karen is, we're on the same page here. She knows what I'm saying. So no, yay. So yeah, so you come home after another bad online date and you, your mind, there you go. You're just going to the dark side. And how do you stop yourself from doing that? Oh my God, that was a long-winded way to get around to this, but okay, go ahead. Trava, I remember at one point, and I'm not sure, probably my late 30s, I remember feeling exactly that. I, I would go to dates, and, I, and again, I wonder if someone had held up a mirror for me at that time, what they would have shown me, what I would have seen, because I felt like I was still happy and hopeful and positive, and that I believed that anything could happen on this first date without being over the top with expectations that were unrealistic. But I wonder, because I remember thinking, 
you know, I don't know how much left I've got in me to keep going and, and keeping my hopes up about this potential with this is my 90th first date of this year. And they've all turned out just any variation of bad. And I wonder, I, I think I was still positive, but maybe not. Maybe I was starting to protect myself because that's the other facet is that the cynicism isn't just bitterness because I'm angry, shaking my fist at the sky. It also ends up being a self-protective measure. If I don't get my hopes up, if I stay a little bit cynical and mm-hmm. jaded, mm-hmm. it'll keep me from hurting my heart. But as you mentioned earlier, it's not serving you at all, actually. That cynicism actually ends up being an impediment to what you want. But I do think, so for me, I remember at that time, I remember... I don't know how I came across this, but maybe I read it somewhere. You know, it only takes one to be the one because you almost have this feeling when you're dating and dating, and dating, it's just almost this cumulative effect of, you know, I've been out there and there's, and, and there's so many guys and none of them are fitting. And then I remember thinking, but it's only going to take that one. Right. I don't, I don't need to be the right, right fit for all these other guys, mm-hmm. even though it's disappointing and I'm analyzing it and why didn't it work out? La, la, la. But really all I need to do is maintain a positive emotional state enough such that when I do meet that right fit, I will be ready for it. And so that might be helpful. Those kinds of messages that you need to tell yourself over and over again. And how do you discipline yourself to accept one person when you have this cornucopia of attractions that are presenting themselves every time you swipe left and right on dating apps today? Because I think that that is something else we see is that people are liking this aspect of this person but they like this one here and they like what this one shows me and it's really difficult for me to pare down to just one yeah i think it's hard for sure for people to just even get the the kind of like you said discipline or focus to give someone a chance the day of well we give each other four five six dates before we bounce over to the next that's over people go on a date and they might be like oh that's pretty good but i'll go home and see if i find someone who's a little right. bit cuter a little bit funnier a little bit smarter and so I, what you need to do again i just the word you used was perfect it's a discipline it's like anything i mean I, trev i know you do fitness stuff and any of this stuff we're talking about like you mentioned earlier it's intentional and it needs, it takes discipline and it takes that ownership mm-hmm. when you take ownership of your body by going to the gym and staying with your regimen that you're committed to. It's the same thing with your thought processes or the same thing with saying, okay, no, I got to give this person a chance. We can't be bouncing all over the place, like dating ADD. I mean, mm-hmm. we can't do that, right? We need to, to be disciplined enough to say, if this is something that's important to me and I value it, then I need to go through an appropriate process of vetting someone to see if we're a fit without just bouncing around so much that no one has a chance to really present who they are to me. I, for some reason, the word lazy just came to mind because you just said fitness, so I'm going to lazy. Um, She's looking at me when she says this. (laughs) I do think that um, having a bad attitude is laziness. You, I agree. You, you don't yes. really need to have one, and it requires, yep, strength and discipline and motivation to fight with everything you've got against it. And to me, so coming back to what you were saying about there, it's only, what did you say about one? It only takes one to be the one? Yeah, only okay. takes one to be the one. So to, to me, when I, um, I did get bitter, and I bottomed out. And it almost felt like I had to go there. But Mm -hmm. from there, I just sort of let go. And I kind of turned the bitterness and the cynicism and the fatigue into faith. And, And I don't mean in a religious way. I'm saying that you have to, at some point, trust 
and faith. You have to kind of get to there in order to offset the negative, the negative of dating, period. The negative thinking, the limited beliefs. If you have some faith and trust that, you know what, even if it takes a little while, even if I'm single for a little bit more, even if I have a bunch more bad dates, I'm going to be okay. Yep. I'm, I'm going to be fine. And I'm not going to let my circumstances dictate my happiness levels. And I'm certainly not going to let them um, take over to the point where I'm now actually repelling people. That mm-hmm. was always, that's, I see that all the time with single, my single friends. They can't help themselves. And what happens is it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where then they end up kind of driving people away. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you say that laziness. I I wrote that down. I hope you don't mind if I steal it. I'll give you credit, but that'd be a great post because, and I think in this day and age, we have a lot of people who feel very entitled and there's that sometimes that creeps in. Well, I'm entitled to this. I deserve it. Well, we all deserve love. Okay. So Mm -hmm. that's blanket statement. Yes, we all deserve love. Of course. And if we don't take control of what we can, like you said, we can't control every circumstance, but we can control how we respond emotionally to that circumstance. Even things like, I mean, I stopped saying years ago, because this comes from cognitive therapy, all of this kind of mindset stuff is all grounded in psych research and cognitive therapy. And I, I stopped saying years ago, he made me mad or she made me mad. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I allowed myself to become angry. Yes. And and people don't like that because they, they prefer to be the victim often and they prefer to play the blame game. I personally don't. I would rather own as much of my emotional response as possible and as much of my circumstances as possible because if I blame you, I can't control it because you're going to do what you're going to do. But if I blame me, there's mm-hmm. ownership there and there's wow. control there. I love that. That's so uh, applicable for everything in life. Every yep. little thing. I think you have a secret camera into uh, my our marriage here with me, and Robbie, because... <laughs> Because Robbie talks about that all the time. He's, he says, uh, I don't know, what do you always say to me about letting things go and choosing? Mm-hmm. I mean, you do have ultimate control over your thoughts. Right. Don't stress over things you have no control over. It makes yeah. no sense. You're wasting valuable time, good brain cells, all of that, when you have no control over the outcome of that anyway. Look at what you do have control over. And yep. try to maintain control of that. Hard to do, but... <laughs> okay, we have to take a break. We'll be right back with more from Dr. Karen anderson Avril. I am curious, Karen. This is a personal question for you. And for me, too, because you and I have something in common. We are later first-time wives. Mm-hmm. We spend a lot of time in the dating world, in the trenches. <laughs> yes. I cannot lie I wasn't I I was miserable at times and I tried really hard not to be and I tried to fight against it and I was successful a lot of the time because I you know looking back I someone actually told me I was (laughs) someone was really honest with me yesterday and said you know you were kind of miserable when you were single and I thought oh my god oh my god I can't believe because I like to think that I just I'm better than that how did you being single for as long as you were, how how did you do in those moments where you'd come home from a bad date or you had another breakup? I mean, how did you stop yourself from spiraling? 
Yeah, I, I definitely had my bouts. There's no question. And you know my story that at 34, two months before I was supposed to get married for the first time, I called off a wedding because I realized that I was in that engagement and prepared to marry a man who I cared about deeply, but was not passionately in love with. And I was almost about ready to do it. I was two months away and didn't because I finally came to my senses. But the pressure to be at a certain stage and to just be so fatigued and tired of the dating scene. Let me just marry this guy. He's good enough. He's a really great guy. So that pressure is profound and it absolutely can affect our emotional state. And you mentioned earlier faith. And I I had that moment where I had to Basically, when I called off my wedding, I did that literal, uh, not figuratively here, literally looked myself in the mirror and said, Karen, this may be the only guy who ever proposed to you. This may be your only chance to be a wife and a mother. This may be it. So if you're going to step away from this, you've got to figure out a way to be happy as a single adult without Mm -hmm. all those hopes and dreams that you always thought since you were a little girl and rocking your babies to sleep without those realities. Can you do that? Because if you can't, then maybe this is not the decision to make because I didn't want to be this bitter, angry, man-hating woman, Mm -hmm. which you see a lot, as you mentioned. And so faith for me actually played a huge role. I really started kind of working my faith. You know, I was always a believer, which I know your faith is different, but in my case, it's more of a traditional faith where I just thought, you know, if I really believe in this God that I say I believe in, then I've got to believe that he knows better than what I know. And that did provide a lot of comfort. So I would agree mm-hmm. with you, whatever kind of faith that listeners right. can adhere to. And I know some people really bristle, but I would I would say, you know, dial it down a little bit. Like the reality, and like Robbie was saying, let's control what we can't control. Well, I'm sorry, let's control what we can control mm-hmm. and what we can't control. Can we believe possibly that something out there knows what's better for us? Mm-hmm. And I know for you and for me both, there were heartbreaks where I was not prepared to believe that there was anything better. Like, yes. God, you're messing it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the guy I want, and it should have worked out. But then, of course, in hindsight, and you with Robbie and me with Dan, I'm madly in love with the love of my life and absolutely wouldn't have changed anything along the way. All those heartbreaks made me stronger. So if you can step back a little bit, lean into faith a little bit, yes. it truly can help you from hook, line, and sinker getting caught up in the bitter bus. Can I ask a personal question about your first marriage that you got out of, or your first engagement yeah. that you got out of? How did you handle it with him about not being as passionate as you felt you needed to be with someone? Oh, Robbie, I just did on my podcast, I did an episode about closure where I was very candid about times in my dating history when I wanted closure and times when, because I think closure is something we all want, but mm-hmm. it's very hard to get. Mm-hmm. And then I, I shared exactly what you're asking. I shared with listeners about how my ex-fiance wanted closure, that I had a very hard time giving him, Robbie, because I already felt like a failure. I was 34 years old. We'd been dating four years. I was not a baby. I was a psychologist, for goodness mm-hmm. sake. You know, and here I was, not even emotionally in touch with my own emotional state to be able to know that I shouldn't be accepting a proposal and I shouldn't be engaged for a year. I mean, it was such a train wreck. I felt horrible. So when he asked me for reasons which are completely valid for him to ask for, I mean, my goodness, we were supposed to be married in two months, months, I had a very hard time being as honest as I should have been. I said things like, I'm not ready, I'm scared of marriage, I think that it's freaking me out, it's not you, it's me, and partly because I've been lying to myself for Mm -hmm. so long, and partly because I didn't wanna feel any more like the bad guy that I was already feeling. 
to be like, frankly, I've never been passionate about you the way I needed to be. That just seemed like too cruel Mm -hmm. to say. God, you have amazing self-awareness now at at that age. (laughs) I mean, at that age, and I know you said you're an adult and you are, but my God, I didn't have that level of self-awareness. I didn't know where Mm -hmm. I was going up, down, sideways to be able to say and have the courage to, to know yourself that well and call off an, 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 uh, a wedding, that's that's amazing. That just makes me love you even more. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. I mean, um, in, in hindsight, I feel good about it, but at the time, man, I felt like an absolute disaster. Of course, I, of course. Yeah. I mean, shit, going, looking so, back, all the failures and, and <laughs> the times where I thought, okay, maybe this is the last train out and am I fucking this up? And So I, here's a question, the, the post, Partum of that, there had to be some type of a not a grieving process, but some type of a buffer before you could really accept a date. I would think after that. Yeah, there definitely was. It was a lot of uh, <laughs> just going out and blowing off steam. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, I was definitely um, so we. I, I called it off in March, and then I met the next guy that I ended up dating for a couple of years in November. So there was definitely a period of time where. I wasn't trying to take anything too seriously because I knew I did. I knew I needed to, like you were saying earlier, I need to sit it out for a bit mm-hmm. and just collect myself and, and really sort out how I got it myself into that kind of scenario. And I think that's, that's a, has to be a really healthy buffer to have at that point, because you're not really ready to accept somebody that might be great quality into your life because you're still reeling a little bit from what you just got out of. For sure. Yep. I have a question. Okay. This is really a huge issue. This is almost like what this whole entire episode is about, okay? Um, jealousy and envy. Mm. This, is the, this is the elephant in the middle of the room for a lot of us, at a, particularly at a certain age. When you haven't gotten what you wanted, when you're not happy in what you've got, I've been on both sides. I have felt it. And I have been on the receiving end of, of women, people who were aggressively jealous and, you know, haters. I know the feeling. How do you keep your jealousy and envy in check? Yeah, it's the same stuff we've been talking about, Trava. It, there's no magic solution. It's just you looking at that ugly little poison in your heart and saying, I'm not, no, I'm not going to be that person. I'm not. I'm going to be happy for for people because there's no, it's not that there's a finite amount of happiness in the world. I remember I thought this to myself when I would catch myself going in that direction. It's not that my friend who's happily married sucked up my chance of being happily married. No, I should look at that as inspiration that it exists. Yeah. Instead. And so, but it's a very, it's a cognitive, you have to do some gymnastics, but once you lock it in, Trevor, like again, going back to the gym, the first time you try to do push-ups, it's hard. You probably can't do any. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, but I probably couldn't. But once you start doing these mental exercises, it becomes your default mode and you keep catching yourself and you go, I'm not going to be that jealous person. I'm not because it, her happiness doesn't have anything to do with my current dating life. It has absolutely nothing to do with it. And so the more that you tell yourself that it becomes easier and easier to make that your first thought instead of yes. the jealousy being your first thought. Yes. There is enough happiness to go around for everybody. Yes, absolutely. There is, right? I mean, it may feel uh, far away at times and unobtainable, but it is really incumbent upon people to, this is where gratitude also comes in. Taking stock of all the good stuff that you have, all the stuff that other people don't have that makes Mm -hmm. you unique. Um, That'll save you from, I think getting, becoming envious of other people's lives. And by the way, 
come on, we all know the grass is not always greener. Mm-mm. It is not what you think. It's not social media all the time. It's not, you know, so keep that in mind. We're all dealing with our shit. Even <laughs> even the people, the women that look so perfect and happy and, you know, joy, joy. No, we don't know or we don't know. But mm-hmm. yes, it's all, it's a choice and it's it's ultimately aspirational. Even if you do Oof. think someone this person's life is is great and fabulous and she's got this great husband and whatnot you know why not yes that could be yours yep yep dr karen please tell our audience how they can find you yeah so i'm most active on instagram at dr karen dr dot k-a-r-i-n and i'm also on facebook dr karen anderson abril twitter is dr karen anderson because i started that before i was married and my website is www.drkarin.me, M-E. I just also want to add my own little uh, testimonial here that I love your Instagram feed. I follow it. I think you are brilliant. You're bright, beautiful, and brilliant. You're the three Bs. Oh, thanks. Um, I love that you and I have this parallel sort of ex- experience. I listen to what you say. You know, I always say that if someone's been doing something for a long, long time, you know, like hours is the old Malcolm, you know, Gladwell, 10,000 hours thing. Um, Yeah, you know, listen, there's wisdom there. And you are, you're fantastic. And you offer, you impart so much great wisdom to people. So here's your little applause for you. Thank you. Thanks. That feels so nice to hear. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on the program. I've enjoyed our conversation. And you will be on again because you're our mascot. Yay! I like being a mascot. You are. Do you have a fun name, like you, Care Care or something? Yeah, we should incorporate you into our logo because you are now the champion. <laughs> You've been on, I think, more than anybody else. Maybe I could have an episode with you every week, I swear to God. Dr. Karen is the FOMO mofo. She is. Okay. <laughs> I love it. So uh, we will be back next week with a new episode. We have no idea what it'll be, but... I kind of do. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But... Um, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts and at follow us. Single. We are at Done Being Single. Go to um, our website if you've got questions, or you need help, or you want to just get more of us. DoneBeingSingle.com. And that's it. Great. We have, Love we're you, done honey. being bitter, right? Are we done or what? Well, I'm sure as soon as the record light goes out, it'll start up again. <laughs> that's another episode. Okay, very good. Okay. Dr. Karen, thank you again. Great. Oh, thank you for having me. And we will be back next week. See you, everybody. I'm Shadow Stevens with my friends, Trevor and Robbie. See you next week on Done Being Single.